episode, who knows, of Time Out with Leaders. And there, we're going to kick it off by asking you, if you had one superpower, what would you pick? So my question to you, Dale, is are you ready? I guess I'm ready. All right, Ty, are you ready? We got to dust off some rust here. Never ready, but always, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Tyler, who are we taking the time out with today? Well, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, from the 585 all the way down to the DFW to the northwest corner of Arkansas, we have Dale Sedgwick, the CEO at Hope Initiatives. Dale, thanks for jumping on with Kevin and I, episode who knows of Time Out with Leaders. And Dale, we're going to kick it off by asking you, if you had one superpower, what would you pick? Oh, my, a superpower. Um, gosh, maybe it's just the mood I'm in today, but and this is not a superpower, but it's, a, it's certainly an important one. I'd probably listen better. <laughs> I think <laughs> listening. Right. Yeah, it's so important. We get, we get to talking and thinking and doing and running, and do we ever, you know, do we take the time long enough, often enough to really listen closely? So that would be my superpower. I love that. I love that. Well, I know where Hope Initiatives is, and you guys are right off uh, the inner loop there. Um, and every day, I don't know how many thousands of cars or people tend to drive right by your building and may not even know where you guys are located. But if Tyler and I gave you an unlimited budget and you could put the largest sign above your organization, what's the one quote or the one daily intention that you would share that everybody drives by and takes something away from? What would that quote be that you would put on the top of your organization? Wow. Um, this isn't going to be very smooth, but it would be something along the lines of, of do something today that makes tomorrow better. Ooh, love that. Laying a foundation. Love That's- it, Dale. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then listening all at the same time. And, and Dale, I wanted to ask you if, you know, we're making tomorrow better, right? So if we're, us three are going out to brunch this morning, what three other people are you inviting, dead or alive, that us three could, could, could take some knowledge from? Dead or alive? Let's see. I would probably, well, I'm a faith-based person, so a lot of my answers are going to probably reflect that. Um, so the first one would have to be Jesus. <laughs> and the second one is probably um, one of my favorite Bible characters, Daniel. Um, young man, you know, taken out of his culture, had to really learn a lot, impressed people, had miracles. I mean, just an amazing character, uh, performed miracles, rather. Um, and the third one, let's think, uh, maybe, uh, probably Condoleezza Rice. I'm not sure if that's a good combination of people, but but she's just such an amazing, I find her just an amazing character. Um, Kevin, I don't know if you had a chance to listen uh, to her segment at the recent uh, Global Leadership Summit, but but I was just, I was just really motivated by it. So wouldn't, I think that would be my threesome. I love that. Well, that's, that's bound to be a long lunch or long dinner because <laughs> uh, we got a lot to talk about with those three individuals. That's for probably sure. a serious and, uh, one, right? We'll probably be doing a lot more listening than talking at that table. That's for sure. Yeah. That, that's uh, what I wanted <laughs> I wanted to ask, because I think a lot of times um, uh, we, we learn a lot from both the music that they listen to, the food that they prefer, the food that they eat, because it, it is one of those things that breaks down generational differences. It can break down um, even, even just by race and ethnicity barriers. 
what is what is one song tyler and i are riding with you we're in your back seat we're going into work you're 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 getting ready for a big meeting a big initiative what song will we, might we catch Dale turning up a little louder as she pulls into the uh, parking lot? That's a hard one because I listen to either it's either gospel or it's smooth jazz. Ooh, <laughs> like listen, the smooth jazz doesn't they don't have a, they don't have a lot of words. It just has a lot of you know a lot of cool tones. Um, let's see. I don't even know. I don't know what that would be. Like one of my favorite Christian songs is called "It's Alleluia." Um, really, really pretty. It's just a worship song. And so that kind of just motivates me. Um, I used to I like to run to, um, let's see, when I, when I, if I do walk or run, I get, I just listen to smooth jazz songs for the most part. I love that. Oh, there is one other song I'm trying to think of. I know what it is. It's, it's not over. So good motivational song. Ooh. It's a Christian song, but it's called, it's not over. I, I, that one, that's a good reminder and a good hopeful one. And I kind of keep on going, even though it's tough, <laughs> you I know, kind that. of a song. Yeah, and I think music has that way of uh, kind of going back to emotions. We have a, almost an emotional mm -hmm. response. My wife works in uh, a lot of dementia care, and it's funny mm -hmm. or not ironic almost of sorts that they can listen to a song and it snaps them right back into that that place that they heard it last or those vivid oh. memories that they have and listening to that song or what it meant to them. So it's yeah. pretty powerful stuff. Um, I want to kind of jump right in because you've brought up faith. We talked about before we got on the power of reflection and looking backwards because we're always trying to move forwards. And you say your, your the music, um, your, your gospel music, the belief, your faith carries you forward almost every single day. Can you talk about that? Because I know, CD, I, I, I know you guys have an affiliation of sorts with religion. Um, mm -hmm. But how do you find that balance in that line, right? Because then it's, are we over-politicizing it? Are we forcing religion and faith on individuals? But it is kind of the lessons that we're learning every week or every weekend. Um, how do you make that show up in, in your leadership? That's a really good question. Um, so I guess I don't see it as, it's certainly not something that you force on anyone. Um, I think the best way to bring it into an environment is to live it. Um, just to be, you know, who you are. If that's who you are, then, then be who you are. And it shows up, if you think about, I, I see the Bible as very, very practical. And so if you think about practical things like being, like working hard, like working hard for what you, for what you get, for um, being a, a person who's honest, um, who respects others, who genuinely cares about other people, um, person of integrity, um, just the things that you, you would like, I think probably, you know, where you'd want to treat someone and the way you'd want to be treated, those are just really basic, fundamental, practical things. And so I think if you if you understand those things and if, you, if you're diligent and consistent about practicing them and treating others with respect and treating others with kindness and being compassionate towards them and empathetic towards them and trying to figure out how you can help and so forth, you're living the Bible <laughs> in many ways. You know, you're, you're living it. And so I don't think it's one of these things we have to say, okay, am I, who am I going to be today? Am I going to be this faith-based person today or am I going to be the real me? Well, it ought to be the real you. <laughs> so you ought to bring it. And um, if, you, if you live it out, then, you know, it. I think it becomes its own attraction, if you will. And so, you know, either people will want to know more and you can share more or they won't. But they would have yeah. benefited, hopefully, uh, by you being who you are. That might be the first time I've ever heard the Bible referred to as practical, because I think sometimes <laughs> we can get so caught up in the old language that it be, it's right. hard to translate to today. 
But right. I loved how you kind of use common similarity of traits and soft skills that we've talked about That's right. as really the lessons that that they are trying to to pass on. And it's a reason why this book has been around for how many years. And exactly. I think it's the power of storytelling um, and, mm-hmm. and really allowing people to kind of envision themselves in a similar situation um, and and how they would potentially handle it or could handle it. Right. Dale, appreciate that. I want to ask you, Dale, so what are you doing today? to uh, be better at tomorrow. Like you said, what, what, what's your action on that billboard that you were talking about? Are you going to make me say what I, lift what I said, huh? What am I doing to tomorrow better? Oh boy. Um, what am I being intentional about today? Well, um, very, very small thing today. We have a fairly uh, kind of a interesting week for us here. We have a, a just filled in position that's been open for a while. And so if I can do something to acclimate her better into the organization and get her started faster <laughs> and, um, and you know, genuinely welcome her, you know, here properly and so forth, then that'll certainly make tomorrow here a lot better. Um, I think what I really like about Hope Initiatives, though, is that that's kind of our business is to try to make to um, do something today that helps to have other people's tomorrows be better. And so we have a um, a workforce development program um, that we whereby we provide both uh, employability skills, some of the things I just mentioned, you know, how to be reliable, how to show up on time, how to be respectful, how to um, you know develop some coping skills so that you're not always calling out and so forth. And so we try to teach those basic skills as well as um, basic woodworking and welding and, and things of that nature. So a combination of skills that individuals can take with them. And the idea is to get them from a dependency on social services just for basic necessities to where they are employable and not just at the, oh, I saw a sign at my favorite fast food yesterday, although I hate working in fast food, I'm just going to do that because I need money. But think about what you really like to do and try to get, you know, connect them with employment that is associated with something they really enjoy. So they can begin a career and not just get the next, you know, available job that they'll have for maybe six weeks or less. And so that's that's what we do. And so if we do that at all, <laughs> then we are certainly helping yeah. someone, you know, to have a better tomorrow than they're having right now. Awesome, Dale. And I love that. Like, and what's your approach on on, on kind of on uncovering what people really want to do? Because I think that's one of the biggest tools in life. Like yeah. when you when you start doing what you really want to do, problems seem to go away. You know? They do. They do. You're you're more likely to stick it out. You know, every job is gonna no job is gonna be wonderful every day. Every job has its its tough days. It's I don't want to be here days. It's, you're just gonna have those. Um, but I'm convinced that if it's if it's in an area, if it's something that you don't mind doing, you kind of like to do then you're going to stick it out, you know, beyond those days versus throw up your hands and walk away at the first um, first instance of, of frustration. Um, so to help people figure it out, one of the things that we have is this little card game, actually. And it's, so it's one of those things when you start with, you know, 200 cards and you go, okay, whittle this down to 100, you know, throw out the ones that there's no way in the world you'd want to do and keep the ones that, well, maybe not, you know, maybe not so bad. And then you go from 100 to 50 to you know, eventually you're down to maybe five things that you would really, you know, that you really think describe you. And so that's just one kind of a fun way to, to do it because you, you really, it forces you gradually to um, to really hone in on what do I really, really like? You know? But I think you even I, presenting in that, in that game, the 200 different opportunities, what individual even sees 200 different opportunities for themselves, 
right? right. So and, and you're exactly. also thinking creatively for them and probably giving them a lot of ideas that they may exactly. have never even thought of as a potential opportunity for themselves. So I, I absolutely exactly. love that. And I, I kind of go back to your career versus job. I mean, and that's kind of what we've been seeing and discussing with the great resignation, the war for uh, talent, all of these types of things are, are really is society is trying to determine what am I willing to spend my time on in exchange for what? Uh, right. and I think we're starting to hear the word career um, instead of a job and what a career really means to the individual and how you can create a job around that high potential. Um, right. But I love what you talked about is to help them kind of see a different avenue for themselves other than fast mm -hmm. food. How does your team kind of articulate, right, what opportunities are outside of the 200, right, the 200 mm -hmm. within that card game? But how do you get them thinking more global? Um, because I think the challenge right now in a lot of organizations, when they talk about workforce development, there's a lot of assumptions and presumptions made um, as to why these individuals haven't found a job or a career that they enjoy, is it lack of knowledge? Is it lack of accountability? Um, all those little soft skills. But what have you found standing in the way the most of individuals kind of taking that next step to find their career? And how do you enable them to see that vision for themselves? That's a, that's a really, it's a hard thing to do. And I don't know that we've mastered it. Um, and the reason is, and the thing that's in the way the most is that, um, they 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 want money and they need it now yep. you know and so there's an urgency that says no I, I i mean i i have to do something and i have to do it now otherwise i'm not going to i'm not going to eat tomorrow or i'm not going to have transportation or you know i'm not going to be able to to take care of my 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 kid and so trying to get someone to be still long enough mm -hmm. to learn mm -hmm. um and to invest in their future when they're when they're facing those kinds of pressures is extremely difficult and so we try to find ways, you know, through you know, whether it's stipends, which every organization does and so forth, you know, ways to try to build, you know, bridge some of those gaps. And um, while we uh, get them motivated and excited about, you know, what a future could be. And in some cases, you have to remind individuals, you know, you're, you're saying that, oh, no, I can't stay here and learn because I need to go get some money. Well, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> you're here because, you know, as of yesterday, you're you're not working. You're not doing something you want to do. You're not able to take care of your needs. And so we're asking you to invest, you know, a fairly short period of time in yourself so that a month from now or six months from now, you're not where you are today. You know, so how do we, you know, so we try to help them bridge the gap practically and then really try to help them to start shifting the mindset um, from it, it just a, I have it today, it's gone today to, okay, I'm building. I am building today for for tomorrow. And um, not easy, not easy. That to action towards building, right, is like these little steps. And I love how you put it, be still long enough, right? Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. we're talking about being still, I think it's kind of touching on what Tyler and I and you were talking about before we hit record today was reflection, right? Right. You're not even still long enough to reflect as to where you are and how you got to where you are and what lessons right. that you actually learned from those challenges, those wins, right. those losses. Yep. How can we determine as to where we want to go next? And talk yeah. to me about reflection. Is that a common practice that you have found most beneficial? Because let's face it, you came from Kodak and Xerox, and now you're leading a nonprofit. So I'm sure there's a lot of reflection that Dale does 
but how do you reflect and then how do you encourage others to take that pause or take that time to reflect themselves to build back better, essentially? Yep. And so um, so it is an extremely important um, characteristic. <laughs> um, we're just a, it's just something that we try to um, have our trainees take the time to do. I think for them and for anyone else, it's really important to stop and recognize that even if, even if you're not where you really want to be today, you've done something good in your background. You're here. You're here. And so there are some things that you've learned that are valuable to you, things that you've learned that you can build upon and improve upon. There are things that you can apply. Um, there are things that you can that you you know that you know you'll never do again. You know because you you've learned a lesson, um, and so that it kind of uh, I don't remember remember the quote well. It's one of the things that I remember um, Condoleezza Rice saying during her her speech at the Global Leadership Summit recently. I think she said something along the lines of you know everybody has a past. Everybody you should own your mistakes or own your past, but you don't become a prisoner to it. And so I think it's it's that, you know, stepping back and appreciating what you've done, where you've come from, even if it wasn't wonderful, you learned something, you developed some strength, you developed some courage, um, you're probably, you know, maybe you are, um, you know, you, you have more empathy than you think, than you know you did, or something like that, because of your own experiences. And so that reflection is so important. Um, and for me, I probably don't do it often enough, because like I said, I'm running, um, you know, <laughs> one of the biggest differences, obviously, you know, came from a very, you know, two very, very large um, companies in my history to one that now has about 15 people. So uh, whatever gets done, you better be willing to roll up your sleeves and help it get done. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't an awful lot of time to reflect. But um, in doing that, you realize that, wow, I learned an awful lot along the way that will allow me to even roll up my sleeves and do um, some of the things that need to be done here. So um, it works whether you are um, like running and gunning every day or whether you think you're running from your past. It's a, it's just a good idea to stop, embrace it, reflect and learn, learn what you learned. You know, understand what you learned and what you gained and figure out how to apply it. Yeah. Yeah. Or avoid the same mistake, whichever the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And Bill, what would you say you, you, you took from, you know, Xerox and Kodak? What you know? What what what? And I got to know how was Rochester back in the day? Like like <laughs> that's my, let's let's just skip what you learned. How was it in like 1979 when they had like 99.9 percent .9 share of the the market? Right. What, right. what what was driving down like Park Avenue like? Or what was the <laughs> what was was downtown like hopping? It was it well you know in its own way it was hopping it was hopping it was it was. You know, it's funny because when I first moved here, I thought, wow, there's really not a bad section of town because most people were working and you could see, you know, the neighborhoods really, from my perspective, you know, um, they really weren't that bad. And like I said, people were working and because you had, you had Kodak, you had Xerox, you had GM, you had all these companies and everybody, it seemed that everybody had a job and therefore everybody had some hope. Everybody was able to go out. I used to go to our little little nightclubs. It was interesting. They used to go one behind the other. They used to open up here. Everybody was there. Then it would shut down and everybody shifted over here. But it was fun. It was honestly a lot of fun, you know, to just go out and enjoy yourself. You felt safe. And, um, you know, you saw kind of the same people. And it was just, it was just a fun time. It was, it was great, actually. <laughs> 
but it's a very, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I was a lot younger too, so I could hang out much later. <laughs> and were you in that big building that looks like a Gotham City? Like I wasn't for, yeah, building? I, I was, I was, um, was in, when I was at Kodak, I was in Kodak office. And it's so funny because I sit here and I can literally look out of my window and see where I started my, my, my career. I literally <laughs> see Kodak office out of my window. Well, and so it feels like almost like full circle. And then yeah. probably if I probably look hard enough the other way, I can probably see Xerox Square. And so yes, I was in that big granite building uh, for a long time. Um, but yeah, you had you had help, you had support. I mean, I really appreciate, um, especially I spent, spent 31 years at Xerox. And so I really appreciate um, that they just took the time to reinforce uh, whether it's leadership skills, managerial skills, sales skills, whatever the case may be, whatever your job called for, um, they took the time and spent the money um, to help develop their 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 people. And um, you can never invest too much, I think, in people development. So never. I appreciate that. Never. I want to go back to uh, when we're we're on the streets back in 79, 80, 81, whatever, whatever year it is. But yeah. Dale, did you get a sense of because everybody was working and, and you felt safe? Did you feel like the a greater sense of community in Rochester at that point in time comparatively to what you see today? Yeah, and I don't know whether the change is it's me as I've gotten older or whether it's the community, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. But um, I mean, I think I certainly feel that I had a much broader set of, of friends, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends have moved away, you know, quite honestly, looking for opportunities elsewhere as things here have, um, you know, have gotten smaller in, in terms yeah. of just uh, the employment opportunity base. And so uh, definitely a bigger sense of, of definitely, yeah, a much broader sense of community. Um, you know, there were struggles and challenges then, you know, you had some social injustices. I'm not going to say that it was all wonderful, but um, there was certainly, I think, a stronger sense of community uh, because you didn't have the same level of fear. I don't believe that we have that we have now. Or that when, we you're see on, now. You're, when, when you're aligned with your you, a job, right? And let's say it was a job versus a career, but it seems right. like these organizations made it a career because they continue to develop their their teammates, right? And right. one area that maybe not wasn't a fit, you still had the availability to transfer within the same organization <laughs> and maybe those skill sets are something that you're more passionate about. But the right. having a job and having that level of safety first allows people to actually have more purpose. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like the, the it was everybody felt more safe and therefore uh, the community itself probably yeah. was much stronger uh, the, from a relationships perspective. And, and, and obviously the technology and Facebook and MySpace and all these other things weren't really a thing back right. then. You had to kind of see each other in passing or otherwise you, you lost touch. That's um, right. But I just had to ask kind of because we always hear about these glory days of Rochester and I've only been up here 11 years and I still think mm -hmm. it's a great place comparatively to where I came from. But undoubtedly, I think there's a lot of work and progress that needs to be made. And that kind of gets yeah. us to this workforce development push that we've seen in our area. Mm -hmm. um, Tyler and I have had conversations with CEOs and they didn't seem to care about the high school graduation rates, right, for, for 30 years. Um, but now yeah. I, I have this sense of belief that I bet they wish they had uh, because now they're seeing that long-term impact and then the availability to qualified talent. Um, or individuals exactly. have those particular skills. What have you learned about workforce development 
Um, what have you learned about providing opportunities for others that maybe the rest of society has forgotten about? And do you believe that they have the same potential if they're given the same commitment, time, and investment? You know, to answer your second question first, I absolutely do. If I didn't believe that they have the same potential, then I couldn't. I, I, I had to lob you a softball there. Yeah. Obviously, I believe <laughs> Thank you. In myself, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, so you definitely have to. But I'll. But um, I think the the reality though is that not everyone. I don't think everyone feels that way. Um, I think what's unfortunate is that a lot of our um, business community could stand to learn. Um, more about the potential that individuals bring, regardless of their backgrounds. And so it's kind of an interesting thing when you think, stop back and step back and think about it. You know, the individuals themselves um, who would be candidates for, for a program need to learn that they bring an awful lot to the table, that they have gifts and talents and skills and interests that could be of benefit um, to their communities, to their families, to society in general. And our employers also need to learn that, you know, your your next great employee may come in a package that you didn't envision. And so um, there's a lot to learn, I think, on, on both sides in terms of the potential that people that people have. Um, again, you know, you, you have a past, you can't let it be, you know, be your be a prison for you. So you've got to break out, you've got to be willing to do things differently. But that applies to our employers as well. Um, I think especially here, because we have had um, the lack of graduation um, success um, for years that we've had and so forth. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> um, lack of graduation success, et cetera. Then, then they're going to have to, I think, open their eyes, their arms a little bit broader and be a bit more accepting. And I think, you know, if I think about workforce development programs, it would be wonderful if we could structure them in such a way that it's not just the organization, typically a nonprofit organization or maybe an educational organization, you know, trying to develop individuals and then present them to, to companies. Wouldn't it be wonderful if companies came alongside and they were kind of our partner in helping to develop individuals? You know what you want, you know, as a business leader, yeah. a business owner, business executive, or whatever, you know what you're looking for, you know the kinds of skills and talents. And so, you know, kind of come alongside and, and support and lend your expertise and lend your, your ear. And your help to you know to develop individuals, and so that um, then you you benefit uh, because you've got a, a pool of candidates that you would uh, not have ordinarily had. That's the best idea I've heard towards workforce development, and something that I talk about often because it's a common challenge and a common problem. The hard part right. is organizations exactly. getting over their own egos that they need to work with right. a competitor. But right exactly. now, it's it's a sheer lack of available individuals. I think the last right. stat that I saw is there are 1.9 jobs available to qualified candidates. It's mm -hmm. going to continue to be a numbers problem, but is that going to be an excuse or does that become a challenge and therefore an opportunity to exactly. look at this differently? And right. my question to you, uh, because I you came from Xerox, you came from Kodak, you you understand how a lot of these businesses make business decisions. And and like it or not, it's typically a financial decision. And I've gone down the workforce development path that growing and developing talent is always going to be cheaper in the long run for an organization than mm -hmm. buying talent that and somebody else talent. developed. Right. Right. How, how do we change their perception that there is massive potential in these pockets or pools of talent that they haven't thought about before? How do we change that perception that there is potential? Almost like an NFL team. They know right. that if they don't give that player the strength and conditioning coach, the quarterback coach, running back coach, 
they don't give those the, the additional training and development they need, that potential might be great, but it may never be developed. Right. How do we change that perception that there are individuals that are ready to work, have massive amounts of potential, we just need to give them these opportunities? So um, a couple of thoughts come to mind. One thing that we try to do is work with uh, what we call employer partners. And so these are employers who are in fact willing um, to embrace a population that they may not have been willing to embrace before, for example, individuals who may have been previously incarcerated. And so, um, and so if we can work with them, identify individuals you know, that meet our standards, and then have them hire those individuals, give us permission to check back, check in, you know, maybe coach and counsel with that person seems like they're not um, you know, following the, the path they should be following and so forth before they just walk them out the door. Um, they'll eventually get success. And I think that, that brings to the second one is that we just have to have some successes. And I think that, you know, if our partners are successful as they work closely with us, then they can become the voice and the example um, to their peers, you know, in their industry. Nobody wants to be first unless did. it's in a, uh, a gold medalist race, right? It seems like with some <laughs> right. of these things. Nobody wants to be, exactly. Nobody wants to be the guinea pig, but, That's but right. again, it, I think what you said That's... before is if they aren't included with the creation of the solution, with the creation of the development, right? and, and you're just doing the development as a nonprofit, that organization, unfortunately, because they didn't have control or the sense that they had any control, it gives them something to blame or point right. fingers to. Yeah. So I yeah, love that methodology of including them because then it's a shared responsibility of that individual's success. Exactly. Hi, what do you got? Mindell, I'm over here scrolling through your, your history over here, and I just got to know, out of all these positions, what was the most fun position? I mean, we got VP of Business Development, VP of Industry Marketing. You know, systems analyst, sales, marketing, and product launch. What was like the <laughs> coolest product you've ever you ever launched at Xerox? Like, what was like, uh, the big? So probably the coolest product um, were yeah. the first, the very first um, office-sized multifunction devices um, that were launched in the United States. And that was that was cool because nobody had used them. So this was your the beginning of your one device that can uh, scan, fax, copy, print. And um, so bringing just that new technology um, to the marketplace, I was, you know, not the product development, but bringing that to the marketplace, that was fun because it was new and it was different. And, you know, did you have to keep it like down the down low where you like, could you tell your family about this thing? <laughs> I probably did <laughs> tell them. <laughs> I, I knew that it was so new that they weren't going to be able to tell many other people about it at all. So it was, there was no risk there whatsoever. Like it does what? <laughs> you know, so. I have heard about these copier glory days. I used to work at Toshiba yeah. business solutions and it had That's been so right. many years since obviously that first product got the multi-function yeah. printer uh, yeah. got, got yeah. released. And it was, it was amazing to me on how many com copiers continue to be the complaint in the office, especially nobody cared about what copier they had unless it went down that day and needed right. service or toner. Um, but how much that just piece of technology evolved over time. And here I was working for Toshiba and yeah. uh, you start to really learn about how this whole industry was created. Um, so it's, that had to be very, very exciting to uh, to be on the, the cutting edge of that. What was one of the greatest lessons I guess you learned about being at Xerox? Because from afar, I guess we've heard that you also had the mouse. You also had some of these other pieces of technology that Xerox never cared to, I guess, yeah. 
PC, mouse, Ethernet. I mean, you just the list is really, really long. It's Ethernet long. The mouse. Yeah, yeah, the mouse. Yeah, Steve yeah. Jobs, I think, it's actually a, took it from them uh, when they were out yeah. in California. Yeah. Xerox had a little incubation center, like technology yeah. center. The folks and, who run Adobe today, I think, were ex Xerox people, if I'm not mistaken, um, who run yeah you know, for PDFs documents. I mean, it's such a staple, and yeah. So what so, leadership lesson <laughs> lies within those misses or massive misses or viewed as potential massive misses from a business perspective or market opportunity? Yeah. So books have been written on this. What do they yes. say? Um, <laughs> I guess from my perspective, it's it's um, being willing to to shift. Um, I think a lot of times we you have something golden in your hands, but because you've done things the same a certain way um, for so long. Then you don't you don't recognize the potential you know that you have in order to you know to really create something new, create a new market, create new ways of doing things, and so you, you have to. It's a, I think a culture that um, at the time just did not didn't want to didn't really shift didn't want to shift. I think the same thing was true of Kodak, um, you know, just with, in terms of embracing digital um, photography. You know, felt that film was here to stay. Didn't want to. Didn't shift. It was. It was great. We're doing well, and this is. You know, we're we're the best at it. So, why do we need to do something different and potentially destroy ourselves? And so, you know, that kind of fear of destroying yourself is a very dangerous thing because if you don't do it in remake, then someone else is going to do it for you. And so, I think both companies learned Which is that lesson. Fascinating to really time. just even think about because they had to be innovative outside the box and creative and entrepreneurial in order to create this market even, share. Exactly they, to begin with. Correct. Yeah. And it's almost like we we write out the entrepreneurialism within the organization through policies and procedures. Mm -hmm. And we almost write that out of the organization to continue to yeah. keep that golden goose of sorts. Otherwise, that golden right. goose, as hearing you say, becomes bronze over time if you're unwilling to develop and innovate and, and recreate and reimagine. Right. So, exactly. Fascinating. Yep. Yep. Got to reimagine. That's, that's, yeah, Dale. And Dale, you keep talking about how fast you're running over there. Um, and I always ask, how you know, when... when because you don't get to where you're at without being consistent and having endurance, right? Like, what are some best practices for you keep keeping yourself so consistent and, and how do you, how do you keep this endurance up? Um, I think the common denominator probably is just doing something that you're really passionate about doing. Um, if, if I didn't care about um, the people we serve, if I didn't care about the people who work here, um, it would be, I think, a lot harder um, to, to keep the endurance up. Um, but because I care, you know, you, you don't, you know, you don't want to disappoint. You don't, you want to see things get better for them. Uh, we, we intentionally, you know, when we have opportunities, try to hire individuals who, um, whose backgrounds may have been struggles for them, you know, who reflect those we're trying to serve. And so, you know, I don't want them to, to go backwards. I don't want them to not have their, you know, the best days they can, can have. Um, at work, I don't want to mishandle the organization and have them, you know, miss an opportunity or, or what have you. And so um, just being passionate about what we're doing and genuinely about the folks we that we work with, um, that we have here as employees, as well as those we serve, I, I think is, I know that's the motivation for each day. Love it. And then Dale, what, what book are you reading right now? I see, I see some books behind mm -hmm. you. What, what, what do you what, what's on the docket? 
You know, none of those. <laughs> um, I am, um, let's see, what am I reading? So I'm reading a couple of books um, for the, you know, I think everyone in America has read this book except for me. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. And so maybe because I'm, I'm getting older and nearing retirement one of these days, I'm thinking maybe I should figure something out if it's not too late. So I'm reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Really interesting read. Um, I'm also reading a book. It's called Vegetation Over Medication. And it's by a Dr. Bobby Price. And he, um, so just, you know, as you get, again, as you get older, you start thinking more, I decide it's begun to think more about, about diet because I look in the mirror and go, whoa, what happened here? I can't wear those jeans anymore. Why? <laughs> you know, but, um, but, you know, you think about what you're, what you're eating and, you know, what you're consuming. And so this one, you know, is all about being plant-based and and so forth, but, you know, doing it in a way that you can actually maintain. So you may have to throw some meat in there every now and then, but, uh, but it's a really interesting book. Very interesting. Poor dad, rich dad's pretty awesome, right? I love that how he had his kids like work jobs that he did. They didn't like on purpose. Yeah. And then he like, doesn't even, he doesn't even count like, like uh, having a house, like an asset. He just has a total different isn't Spin that on. amazing? Like your house is not an what? <laughs> My house, what do you mean it's not an asset? <laughs> How is that a liability? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally yeah. different spend on things. Yeah. yeah. So cool. I'm enjoying well, that. I one. Think, and, and I want to go kind of go back to the the workforce development program. So I'm going to take us way back in the conversation because I'm 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 giddy to ask. But you you mentioned like they need the money now. Um and I think each individual kind of has that Maslow's hierarchy of needs always sticks out to me. But if safety and security isn't first, how do we expect individuals to be capable or able to learn? Um, and that's that was something that I saw at Leadership Rochester um, when I went yeah. from the how, uh, Norman or where the heck was Edison Tech, and then I went to um, oh my God, one of the parochial schools or. or uh, when they totally Howard school. Um, oh, yeah. And just seeing the the vast differences between the student experience. Um, one, mm -hmm. some students obviously at Edison had to go through metal detectors and kind of almost that, that looking over your shoulder continuously, you can't really look forward as to even what the teacher is presenting or sharing to attempt to learn. And then you go to this other organization or a school um, that didn't have a security guard there was no metal detectors and they had all these creative programs for the students their stem program was out of this world i mean i almost wanted to go back to school um, <laughs> yeah but that was the clearest difference in perspective that i needed to so clearly see that in the absence of safety learning is never going to be present is and and is that something that you have started to see in this workforce development that people need those nutrients on the front end in order to be able to be developed into their full potential? Yeah, it's um so you definitely see it and you definitely hear the stories. You know, we have you know people come in whose relatives, you know, have had a relative to get killed. Um, or they, you know, they go home and they know they're gonna, you know, maybe hear gunshots and things of that nature in their neighborhood. Um, we've had employees who've had loved ones, you know, to um, to lose their lives, and so um, so how do you how do you how do you learn? And and so the first thing is that you 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 do have to pause and allow the person to try to um, heal or cope emotionally with what they have experienced. And you know, if it's 
and it is a lifestyle because it and knowing you, you may hear gunshots or you you know may see someone being chased by the police and so forth I mean, it, you know you don't see that every day in every neighborhood right but yet there are many of us many neighborhoods where that is just simply the norm and so um you you realize that people may come having had a really bad night um having experienced something really really troublesome and so you try to be as compassionate as you and patient um, as you can possibly be. And but you also try to encourage them and remind them that um, changing their future and that of their family is one of the reasons they're here, um, because you do want to try to be a person who makes your com community better. Then I don't know that I, I'm kind of torn in terms of the you try to encourage a person to leave their community because then that just that doesn't help. You know, that community just ends up being even worse if those who have some hope and some stability and so forth, that they all leave, then that's that's really bad. And so I don't know that it's always about leaving the community versus having a greater percentage of the people in the community who are trying to do the right thing and therefore, you know, have that community improve over time. But you do have to remind them that that's, you know, that reality is one of the reasons that their own development is so important because they can in turn have a positive impact on their family and on their on their community. So that's something I've ever really thought about. You know, it's kind of like get out, you know, to change. But if you get out, yeah, then it's like, do you get out? Like you said, that's that's a torn, right? It's torn. You're torn. You, you kind of you want to equip them to get out if they want to, but then you don't want if you. But then when are you leaving? <laughs> you know, that's not good. That's not yeah, good. So it, somebody somebody has to stay and and help it improve. I think so. You know, you end up that ends up being, I think, of, you know, you leave that as a, as a personal decision. So you you have the opportunity, you know, you have the opportunity to stay and make better. You have the opportunity to go. Uh, but the bottom line is that you have an opportunity and you can choose. So the hope keeps coming up, and it's in the organization's name, um, mm -hmm. Dale. And but hope to you is um, the belief in tomorrow can be better. Even going back to your quote, how right. have you found when the world seems small um, for some individuals who have never had the privilege of leaving their city block, yep. uh, even just downtown Rochester, even to, to really even give them a sense of hope. How, yeah. how do you inspire them? How do you give them? How do you enable their ability to have hope? Um, really good question. How do we do that? In some cases, I think you mentioned um, you, you mentioned storytelling earlier, and so sometimes it's it's being able to um, look at the lives of individuals, you know, practical individuals, because you know not everybody's going to grow up and and be the you know the Michael Jordan of their of whatever their area is or what have you. Um, but what are some of the practical examples of individuals who may have started you know started small, started poor? Use yourself as an example. Um, I can certainly use myself as an, as an example um, of someone who grew up in a very poor neighborhood and no longer live in a very poor neighborhood. So I guess I left. But, um, but you can, but, yeah, um, but telling <laughs> those choices, those opportunities, um, but telling, telling stories, you know, being able to um, just use examples, um, you know, examples from our lifetime, you know, lots of, lots of biblical examples. Uh, always getting them to see something bigger than them, bigger than themselves. I mean, that's always a source of hope when it's about more than just um, what you're going to do for yourself tomorrow. Um, that that can that grow that gets old really quickly. And so, you know, helping individuals, you know, first of all, to to take care of themselves, but then be able to to take care of other things that are bigger than themselves as well. 
or be a part of something that's that's bigger than you. I love that. And and, and I kind of want to go back to because everybody talks about self-reflection and some people find it very difficult to reflect, right? To ask mm-hmm. themselves questions. I mm-hmm. had to partner with who I had to realize who I was hanging out with, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, was, I was six idiots. I was going to be the seventh, right? I wasn't going to be the smartest of the six, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why what led me to Tyler and led me to some other mentors and peers that I have because, and that's kind of what you've created is that foundation. You have other people that have lived and come from a similar experience. And that's why AA works. I think mm-hmm. sometimes if we're only getting advice from somebody that doesn't have the same background, it becomes almost unbelievable or not relatable. Um, so I love how you kind of made that initiative there at Hope to, to inspire um, seeing a future for themselves and 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 thinking differently um, as to what their potential even is um, on their own. I just think it's cool that you, you give them something to look at, Dale. You know, when you write something down on a piece of paper, it's real. But when you see someone doing it, it's like really real for them. Right. Um, and Kevin and I, we interviewed a guy, a fellow that made it to the NBA a while back named Shan Foster doing some great things in Nashville. And he yeah. had a comment. He was just like, I needed to see someone do it great, <laughs> like in, in hoops wow. or, or anything. I just needed to see it done. You know, right. sure that, you know, TV's TV, but if you just get to see it, I think that gives, gives somebody a little extra, I don't know, pep in their step or just a reality. Right. And it's, it's just almost the same as writing it down. It's just, it becomes something that you can see and it's, it's a doable. Um, and, and Dale, I was honestly, I was not, I wasn't going to try to make light of any situation right now, but I'm pretty hungry right now. And I've been eating for good for about three and a half days before this, <laughs> before this call, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go do something bad. What yeah. has, what, what has your, what, what do you, what do you suggest? What's a healthy lunch for you nowadays from your, from your books that you're reading? When oh, you're boy. Like perturb, not perturbed, but it's like, I really want a double cheeseburger right now. But, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yes. I so want to go to the pub and Webster and get us, get a, a smokehouse burger that has, you know, the hamburger and the cheese and the onions and, you know, but I can't do it. You not call it good fat, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so my healthy lunch these days is a salad okay. <laughs> with all kinds of good veggies and so forth in it. That's that's my healthy lunch. But and yes. and so over the weekend, I decided to cheat. Um, I decided to seriously cheat. And so I went to a restaurant in Webster and they had something I've never had before. It's called raclette. You might know, mm. maybe you know what it is, but R-A-C-L-E-T-T-E, raclette. And it basically, it's like, oh my gosh, these are like my favorite things right here in one dish. And it's basically their potato, their fresh cut and fried potatoes with cheese drizzled all over them. It's like wow. potato chips melted. So it's not like a nacho. It's totally different from wow. a nacho, but it's it's like a tower. It's JoJo's and Webster, if you want to know. But it's I'm like gonna, a tower. I have to check that out, Dale. Man, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was so good. What? That was is my it, yeah. That was is my, it kind of like scallop potatoes, sort of like? Also, they're probably shaped in about the thickness of scallop potatoes, but they're fried. So this is oh. all the way this is all the way unhealthy. These are fried. <laughs> they're like potato chips <laughs> with cheese. <laughs> oh boy! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Sounds like a good weekend activity for myself to try. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not a daily thing, but I think anybody anyone deserves to cheat every now and then. That's it. Yeah, I recommend it. It was good. <laughs> yeah, and I've been reading this Sad Guru fella for a while, this engineering guy, and he he has a whole thing on eating, where it's mm-hmm. just like your body, all it takes is fifteen minutes of eating anything, and you're pretty much full. 
And no kidding, I tried it the other day with freaking broccoli and like something else. And the guy was right, you know, like I like just the, the art of it, the activity of it. Um, it, it, it's just, it, for me, it's just that, that initiative, <laughs> that first doing the right thing at the, right. at the front end. And then I'm good. Like even at a restaurant, if I order healthy, just get the menu away from me. It's over, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, but awesome, Dale. <laughs> well, uh, funny. well, yeah, I, I, I just have one question because, uh, uh Dale kept, uh, bringing up intention and Tyler, a big intention. Um, we hear intentionality, we hear setting a daily intention. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was to ask Dale what your daily intention is as an individual, as a spouse, as a mother, as a grandmother, whatever it might be, what is that daily intention that you repeat to yourself as you're stepping out of bed in the morning? So as a faith-based person, I'm going to answer from that perspective. My intention at the end of the day is to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Wow. That is my intention. Wow. Love that. Well, I can't, we got to end on the high note because that was absolutely exceptional. Dale, I just want to say thank you so much for, for the work that you're doing in our community to help develop um, those, those forgotten about uh, individuals because they have all the potential in the world that just takes somebody yep. to, to have a little belief. Um, so yep. I, I so appreciate not only your leadership, but what you're really doing to raise up the community in which we all live and work here in Rochester. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Yeah, this is fun, Dale. Thank you. Racklet, <laughs> coming in hot. Racklet, yeah. Remember it. <laughs> <laughs>